thanks for that introduction. Uh, I hope that I can still speak eight languages. Just <laughs> all right. So we'll just stand. I I I thought of saying a prayer in Aramaic, and you can say your own prayer in your own languages. So let me say a prayer in Aramaic. Abon Tavashema Nekadeshema Tete Malkuda Nehave Tavashenak Ekana Tavashema Afara Havalan Lakma Havian Wahakana Aikanan Dafkanan Shoklan Yekanan Vela Talhan Ilesina El Patsan Minbicha Mitol Dilake Malkuta Wahela Watashebakta La Al Almin Amin Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts. Be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Shalom, church. Shalom. Take a seat. Thank you. So my title for this morning is The Gift Wrapped Wonderfully, Silently Delivered, Eternally adored. A nationally representative finder survey of um, 1,015 Australians, aged over 18 and over, and asked respondents how much uh, they plan to spend across five key categories in this Christmas. Here is what they found. Australians are set to fork out 23.9 billion on everything from gifts to penicillatus in this festival. Right. This is equivalent to 38% increase compared to the last year's estimated 17.3 billion spend. So gift, gift come at the top of the Christmas this year. Right? In my childhood, when I was growing up, I was growing in a farm in Italy. Right? And we had a fireplace. Every Christmas, our house is decorated with Christmas uh, decorations. And I remember in uh, the fireplace, it is called a mental place. Have you guys seen a mental place in a fireplace? So you decorate and put some ornaments, and you hang um, red color socks, right? And in my younger days, what I did was, when come close to Christmas, I write in a, a blank sheet all what I need and put it in that um, red socks, right? So that's how I did it in my Christmas. And my mom write absolute gifts, which are not optional. Right? Then she put it in the socks as well. Right? So that's how we are brought up in, in the Christmas season. Right? 
I'd like to turn you now, turn first to my favorite Christmas verse. Like it's 2 Corinthians 9.15. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Because it's not found in, in the setting of um, nativity scene. Like we often don't think about it in the light of Christmas. So let me read for you. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's written by a brilliant man whom you know. It's, it's Saul of Tarsus. You know where the Tarsus is in modern day map? It's in Turkey. It's in Turkey. Right? So when he was keen to write this letter, but he had broad vocabulary. He's a keen writer, and he still pauses to write a prefix in front of gift, right? But what did he write? He wrote indescribable, indescribable. So, Paul chose this term that is used nowhere else in the scripture. So my question is, why it is indescribable? Why is this gift too awesome for words? I mean, after all, it is just a baby. It's just a baby. Well, let me say this. If his had been an ordinary concep uh, conception, and if it had been ordinary infant, there would have been nothing indescribable about him. Right? Just like any other baby. Because he was neither. He was neither. This brilliant man says it's indescribable. Turn for a moment to Luke chapter 2, 6. Dr. Luke continues his account much like a physician who would like a report, right? Almost a matter of fact man. Let me read Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cords and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. For some reason this year, I have been caught up in wrapping gifts. Right? Now, there are some gifts that seems to have anti anticipation highlight by wrapping. And some people have a lot of fun in wrapping. Right? And they put box after another, inside another box, and each one carefully wraps, right? Some they do like a prank, it's called gift of frustration, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? When you open the box, you go to a tiny thing and you find a small ring. Anybody has that experience? <laughs> right? So my dad, is, every year he wraps our gifts, Right? 
One time he was trying to wrap a grandfather's clock. <laughs> and in another time, early in the morning, I've been asking for a puppy, right? I like German shepherds. And he was in the morning, one Christmas, I saw like, there's a noise coming inside the box. <laughs> so he wrapped the puppy inside the box, right? <laughs> and what happened, like, it smells too bad, right? We have to give it away, <laughs> right? And then my mother, right, my mother, I was really eager to have a soccer ball. When you grow up in, uh, growing up in Europe, they love soccer, right? Italy, they love soccer. So I was waiting for a soccer ball and to get me, give me for my Christmas and, and kick in the, inside the garage. Like, but my mother thinks otherwise, right? But she wrapped in a box. I thought of it's going to be a soccer ball, but when I opened it, I was really frustrated in that Christmas. It was a world globe, uh. <laughs> right? Instead of my sports, she thinks I, I should do more education, so she gave a globe for me, right? <laughs> So how do you wrap an indescribable gift? What materials do you use it? Right? I suggest that you wrap this gift wonderfully. Right? First, you, my first point today is you wrap him in prophecy. So Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. Well, let me explain to you. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You don't find this in your own Bible. This is my direct translation of the Hebrew uh, text, okay? But you find it similar meaning. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the master himself will give you a sign to conceive and bear a son, and she will call him name Emmanuel. Right. You wrap something indescribable in something as powerful as prophecy, and then you have people anticipating for his arrival. Right? So further, when you go down in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5 and 6 says this, a child is being born to us. The son has been given to us. And the leadership on his shoulders. And his name is called Wondrous Counselor, Divine Warrior, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And making leadership abound and peace without end on this throne of David. And over his kingdom to make firm, founded, and stayed up in, in justice and righteousness forevermore. To whom that refers to? It's not other than Messiah. No one fit in this description except the indescribable gift. The Jews held onto those prophecies down in time, right? Don't forget about the next, the chapter 11, verses 1 and 6 of Isaiah. 
This is what it says. This is one of my favorites as well. And a shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse. A branch shall bloom from its roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and insight. The spirit of counsel and valor. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His very breath in the fear of the Lord. And justice shall be belt around his waist. Faithfulness, the belt around his loins. Look at the beauty of that prophecy. Don't you think that God wants to hide something that is fantastic? Right? Then Isaiah still doubts, like he says, like, who would believe this, what we heard? And to whom the Lord is revealed, right? Because if you look at it, Jesus looked like an ordinary Jew in his day. Right. As a boy, he looked like any other carpenter's son. His appearance is nothing majestic about it. Right? There's nothing shining glow in his face. But it was God who came into the form of a man. Don't forget, not man in the form of God. Right? He drove his nails just like anyone else. He worked with his wood like anyone else. He wasn't the man from whose hands fell miracles until he started his ministry. Right? He began just another man from the outward experience or the outward appearance. Right? How do you wrap an indescribable gift? You wrap him in this kind of honest prophecy. Then you prepare the hearts of the people for an indescribable gift by wrapping in prophecy, right? So Micah 5.2 says this. And you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, the least of Judah's clan, from you shall come forth for me. Right. Can you believe a rabbi reading this scroll in Micah Chapter 5, verse 2. And rubbing his beer and think, oh my, oh my. He will come from Bethlehem. <laughs> right? But we have a little bit of problem here. Don't you think? What's the problem? We have got a couple that lives in Nazareth, right? And this says they will come from Bethlehem, right? How do you solve that matter? How do you solve that? Then God wrapped Jesus in history. That's my second point. Jesus was wrapped in history. Turn from here to Galatians chapter 4. Verses 
4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adaptation as children. Now the, full, the word fullness of time, exactly on a schedule, right? Precisely as it could be, have been, no better time that would occur it, right? It was perfectly together, like, because a woman got pregnant and a, a baby began to form, right? So you wrap this in history, right? So when you look at the history, we find another great man, Alexander the Great, or the Greek, or the Romans, right? So the, Lord, the Alexander the Great during that time formulated a language, which is Greek, right? When you have a language, and when you have a message to deliver, what do you do? The Romans did the best they could do. They, had, they made paved um, roads, right? to take that message from east to west, right? And they had one language, Greek, right? So what about the politics during that time? What about the politics? Well, you had an unusual situation, right? You had a census, right? Required out of the blue. And that required a man who found his roots down in Bethlehem to go literally and physically to sign the census, right? And so it happened, this man had been engaged to a woman, right? In Nazareth, right? So they made a little track down to Bethlehem and about, right about the time of her term. That's how you wrap an indescribable gift. You wrapped him in undeniable history. This is what Jay Kelser writes in his book. I never promised you a Disneyland. Let me read it for you. Most people, when they think of Christmas, think of camels, swaddling clothes, and a manger, but I think of a Ford motor plant. One year I toured a plant and watched them assemble cars. It was an eye-opener. I always had an idea Ford would guess how many cars they needed and make that many. Now they decided to make green cars one day, and they would make two or three thousand. The dealers fill out a computer card and then order it. Order is placed with Ford. In one city, they make correct transmission. In another city, they make a vinyl roof. And in another city, a mirror. All these places start feeding their products towards the Ford plant. 
Now, if a man is capable of designing such an ingenious system to bring thousands of events and people together with precision timing just to make a car, well, imagine what God can do in preparing his visit to earth. That's what I think of at Christmas. The number of things God brought together at one time in one place and so incredible it makes the Ford plant look like a corner of a service station. Right? And some people, they have the idea of Jesus as a remedial action, a last-minute band-aid stuck on the wounded world. Because God has been trying this and trying that, and he, at last he decided to send a son. No, no, no. But the Bible says, Jesus came in the fullness of time. Right? Everything was fully prepared as possible. All the pieces in history fell together. Right? God's preparation is staggering. Staggering. You wrap indescribable gift in history and you bring him at just the right moment. Then my third point. You can't leave out mystery. Jesus was wrapped in mystery. That's my third point. If you took away the mystery, there's nothing indescribable about him. You have a prophetic word from Isaiah and from Micah and Zephaniah and John Baptizer and host of other saints. Messiah is coming. Be ready. Be ready. Messiah is coming. And God's gift is about to deliver without compensation. God's gift is unfolding in history, unfolding in prophecy. Now it's going to unfold in mystery. Right. What's the mystery about that baby? I can think of a couple of things of right away. First, God becoming visible in human form. We are used to those words. But it had never been before and it will never be again. That's how God works. The Father God, the Son, the Spirit, co-eternal, co-equal, and co-existent come together to this indescribable decision. John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? God became man. Let me put the hat of a theologian and say this. Undiminished deity took upon himself perfect humanity and linking the two natures together in one personality. Housed in one unique body, the God-man was delivered. 
no less deity, no less humanity in one person, in one body. That is the mystery. Did anyone ever say it better than the Charles Wesley? Right? He, he says this, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of virgin's womb, veiled in flesh in Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as a man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Wonderfully wrapped in history, in prophecy and mystery. Well then, something is awesome and something is stupendous had to come some kind of a heavenly ad campaign, right? And there had to be some kind of earth-splitting and sky-splitting sound. Some kind of incredible ancient camera work has to be done, right? I got a news for you. We wouldn't have ever known about it. Gentiles as we were, no would have, have cared. Just another born baby in the Middle East. No, this baby was silently delivered. The nursery was a common stable. The cradle was his, his trough. The first cries were heard but only by her mother, his mother, and cleaning up and wrapping with the swaddling clothes. And a bewildered man who had in his entrance watching it all happen. Right? And few other animals. This is how God put his gift together. He is not a grown man, he is a little baby. He is not a knight in shining armor. He is a little baby. He is stuck away by the feeding trough in a manger over the hill. Just a baby. And he is lying in a manger wrapped in the clothes. And mystery and history and prophecy. If the worship team wants to come, they could join now. That's how the Christmas story is to be repeated in God's words time after time after time, right? Because that's the only way men and women will believe about the prophecy and the history and the mystery that surrounds that baby. Would you believe that? We have people today still wanting for a baby to come. Would you believe that we have a folk who thinks that's the Messiah in, on, in, on, on this earth and will soon reveal him? Stop looking for another Messiah. Stop anticipating another gift. Stop anticipating another answer. He didn't come to create a holiday. He was born to die for our sins. You have him. Your problem is that you have just rejected him. But there's a promise. Romans chapter 8 verse 39 says this.
I want you to remember this in your hearts today. Neither heights nor death nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus the Lord. I want all of you to stand now. Look at the height. Look at the tallest problem you have and tell your problem this morning. You can't separate me from the love of Jesus. His love is stronger than my biggest problem. He will deal with it and turn it into a blessing. No death. Look at inside of your heart. What is the death you have fallen into inside? Are we fallen into an addiction? Are we fallen into a fear? Have you fallen into a security? Have you fallen into an attachment that robbing your peace? Have you fallen into a trend of fallen living? Is that something hidden inside us that has made us lose our peace? Even then, the love of Jesus is there for you. Experience it just now. The way to come out of your addiction, the way to come out of your fear and enslavement, the way to come out of the depression, the way to come out of fear is not to fight alone but to permit this love that refuses us to stop to give it entry into your hearts. We can come up with the highest problem. We can come up with the deepest hidden addiction and struggle. And Paul says, God refuses to stop loving us. Breathe in and take it into your hearts. This baby Jesus was wrapped in history, wrapped in prophecy, and wrapped in mystery, but he died for our sins. Whatever is going through inside of your hearts, Paul says, God refuses to stop loving us. God refuses to stop loving us. Let me say this short prayer and conclude my preaching. Glory to God in the highest. And honor the peace to those on whom his favor rests. Accept his love. Accept this real love. Surrender to him. Say to God, I accept you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for being born to us and paying the price for us. I love you, Jesus. 
whatever is going through inside my mind, inside my heart, physically and mentally, I know that you love for me. Neither height nor depths in all creation can separate the love of you inside. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus.